Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. have ADHD. I guess that's, yes. I've heard rumors, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about you, I have, I have this one symptom of ADHD. I don't know if you have this as well. Time blindness? Do you have this? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've never been able to predict how long anything is going to take. Yeah. And also just like losing track of time. I've, I've been working on stuff sometimes where I'll be like, all right, this will take me like 20 minutes and then four hours will go by. And it doesn't even feel like four hours to me. It'll feel like it's 20 minutes. So in the future, I'll be like, yeah, that took me 20 minutes, even though it took me four hours. I got the time blindness in the other direction, which is like, oh, yeah, uh, if I like if I have to like go for like a walk, like if I have to go around the corner 10 minutes to pick up some milk and I have to like <laughs> walk all that distance without any form of Simulation, it'll feel like torture like like oh, a, like an no. hour-long bus ride without like a podcast or something will like oh yeah i will actually feel like it's like the worst experience ever because like be, that you'll feel like it takes like 16 hours just because i don't have anything to do i also so that happens to me too sometimes especially when i'm like doing just household chores i'm just like i need headphones in i need to be listening to something just to just to make me feel just to make me feel something tristan i need to feel something yeah during this time oh there's probably some people right now who are doing housework and listening to oh, that's true. us right now <laughs> so um jeremy you should be doing the dishes right now um jeremy do the dishes krista do walk the dog but uh did you know that missing time missing gaps of time is also a, a common feature of uh people being abducted by aliens i know that it's a common feature of my bachelor party but uh I, yeah i guess it could be um yeah that's it could true be, too. guess it could be a did you get a, were there aliens at your at your at your bachelor party couldn't tell i you. wasn't invited by the way this was before we met. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Do you think ADHD people get abducted by aliens every day when we lose track of time? That would make it a lot. Like, there's, you know how, like, the internet is full of people who want to tell us that ADHD doesn't exist? Yeah. Uh, maybe one of the people should be like, oh, the time blindness is you're getting abducted, like, multiple times. That's aliens. Every time yeah. that you are, um, every time that you get a good run on Hades going, that's aliens. Or any time that you have to do the dishes and it takes, like, 16 hours, that's also aliens. Look, what's more believable? That your brain has some sort of dopamine deficiency or that aliens exist and are just messing with you on a daily basis. Think about it. As we've learned, people tend to not think uh, the, the question which is more likely doesn't seem to come up very much. It's true. But I figured this would be a good jumping off point uh, to talk about alien abduction stories in the first the first people who it ever happened to. 
Uh, but before we get into that, this is a podcast. My uh, This is a podcast called It's Probably Not Aliens, where we talk about ancient astronaut claims, pseudo history, pseudo archaeology. My name's Scott Penis Wander, and I know nothing hey. about what's going on. Hey, that's not my name, and it's not yours either. <laughs> We're switching up the roles today, folks. We're yeah. switching it up. Usually, I'm the one who knows nothing, and Tristan is the one who knows some things, and uh, now it's switched up. I've I've taken the reins of this podcast. I've done the research of this of this fun topic, and my name is Scott Nicewander. I know everything. I, I know, know everything all. now. <laughs> I've done it all. I, I know it all. Everything's in my head. My name is Tristan, and I know nothing. Said the thing that I said. I know. I, I what's it called? I uh, Buddhism Zen. I my head is is empty like a newborn to enter well, in fantastic. your wisdom. Well, let me let me ask you this then. What would you say are the typical sort of staples of classic abduction stories? Like if you just had to imagine an abduction, an alien abduction story, what would be like the elements in there that are pretty common? Okay, let's see. So first, you're usually in a car um, somewhere where you don't have a strong alibi and probably in a place where there wouldn't be other people to verify that you were there. So like uh -huh, a car yeah, yeah. in the country at night, then uh, usually something goes wrong, like the radio cuts out or the car breaks down or something like that. And then you see something in the sky and a tractor beam comes down and all of a sudden, or, or actually sometimes you don't even see that, you just wake up and all of a sudden like six hours have passed and you don't know what's going on. And then like 20 years later, after getting uh, recovered memory hypnosis or something like that, you realize that in that like four hours between your 12 shots of whiskey and waking up in a car, uh, uh -huh. you actually were uh, abducted by aliens that look exactly like the ones that you recently saw on TV. Yes. And, <laughs> uh -huh, um, what a coincidence. And they do all sorts of, of bad things to you that you also probably saw on TV. Yeah, you've, you, that's basically it. I, th I feel like everyone has this sort of idea of what uh, an alien abduction story is. It's got all those, it's got all those classic elements. You need a theremin for this. Oh, one day I'll get my soundboard up and running so I can throw in some stuff at it's you. It's a rite of passage for all podcasts. There is the day it's when true. the soundboard <laughs> arrives. And then it goes through, there's sort of like a, there's sort of like a, what's it called cycle, like a, a hype cycle about it. So like it goes into, you know, oh, that's too much we sound do it effects. A lot. And then yeah. it goes down. <laughs> then it, you and then everyone complains about it. And they're yep. just like, can you stop with the sound effects? And it's like, okay. And then we're back to, even though it's plugged in, we barely use it. You might think it's wrong, but it is uh, part of the natural life cycle of all podcasts. It's sort of like yeah. podcast puberty is when. Nature um, is healing. Yeah. When you get your, when you get your soundboard. When you get a soundboard. Um, what I find really interesting about these the, the alien abduction story, though, is it has this sort of mythology around it and these like staples, but it is uh, we can trace it back pretty easily to exactly one couple, one Ooh. group of people, one two people that this that this happened to, and that feels very rare in like myths and lore to be able to be like this is the exact date when this story when all of these ideas started springing into pop culture and because i don't know if you know this this is a rel uh, alien abduction stories are relatively new in you know history there were other types of alien encounters normally they would be like hostile invasions we've talked about like war of the worlds on this podcast there was you know hostile invasions there was like enlightened friendly contact where like aliens would come down to someone and like 
like tell them something about the world or or the universe, but being abducted, especially like sort of ambivalent scientific abductions where like the aliens don't see you as beings like invasions and like, you know, friendly contact. That's like the aliens seeing you as other beings that they would be like, all right, we're going to either take control of them or we're going to try and befriend them and like enlighten them and something. Uh, but these sort of abduction stories are usually like very ambivalent scientific abductions where the aliens are treating you as just like, you know, rat. animals. Yeah, they're they're wanting to do like some sort of experimentation on you, take you into their ship, do something weird to your body, put you back down on on Earth. That is a very new, relatively new concept. I said not very new. This all happened 80 years ago, but it's weird that we can trace it back to specifically 80, 80 years ago. Almost exactly. Um, wild, wild stuff. And it all happened because of a, a husband and wife duo in 1961. Oh, a power and, couple. Uh, a power couple indeed. Did you say 1961? 1961. Uh, you said 80 years ago? That's that's 60, 60 years. 60 years ago. Yeah. 60 years ago. You're right. It was 60 years ago. So this was 1961. Uh, we're going to discuss their story and also the sort of response by the media and pop culture and also obviously some problems with their stories, credibility and other possible explanations outside of aliens. I'm sorry. It's just sort of what we do here is debunk stuff if There's we can. problems least, with their story? I know you wouldn't think there would be. Um, but first, let's go ahead and meet Betty and Barney Hill. Betty and Barney is a pretty, like, that's a that's the name of a 1960s couple if I've ever heard one. Absolutely. Wait, isn't that literally, hey, Bon? Like, it's Barney and Betty Rubble. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So the rebels, so so um, what's it called? And their the child, rebels. Bam Bam. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yep, yep, yep. It's in the back seat. They don't talk about Bam Bam. The aliens didn't release Bam Bam. The aliens did not release Bam Bam. Uh, Bam Bam's still flying around with. Uh, um, what was the name of that Martian? The Great Gazoo. That? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the Great Gazoo. <laughs> Oh boy. Before we get started, I do just want to shout out to I want to shout out to another podcast, Imaginary World, who did a fantastic episode about this as well. I'm so go check them out. They're great. But anyway, Bar Betty and Barney and I Bam almost Bam. said rubble. I almost said <laughs> Betty rubble. Betty and Barney rubble. <laughs> Betty and Barney Hill. Uh, let me take you back. Let me take you back in time. Ooh. So they had been married for just over a little over a year at mm -hmm. this point, uh, but they hadn't really taken their honeymoon yet. Their jobs kept them really busy and any free time they had went into efforts to prop up the civil rights movement. It takes a lot of work to lift rocks with brontosauruses at the quarry. <laughs> it's true. Sorry. I, I, I gotta let that bit go. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Well, you see, unlike the Flintstones characters, Betty was white, but Barney was black. Spicy thing to be in the early 60s that's for sure exactly exactly now the, the the only reason i bring that up is because it does become important later on in this story but so 16 months into their marriage they finally had enough time and money uh to you know take a small little weekend road trip through montreal and niagara falls how's hey. montreal i don't i don't know that one is it good there is that a good place to take a honeymoon oh yeah beautiful city wonderful place i what's it called i love i love montreal i've been there several times go to the marche saint alain yeah i like great times uh if they went in the winter time it's i took i took my wife to montreal once and it was negative 36 or something like that which is almost the exact same temperature in fahrenheit so it's like oh god oh goodness oh yeah cold over there in quebec that's cold that's cold i believe this would have been in september 
Oh, yeah, we were going around, so less winter time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was beautiful. I mean, they they. I mean, a, a part of the reason they went too. I mean, like so, some of the stuff they did there is just just like taking in the scenery, right? Um, Barney packed some binoculars so they could see everything up close, see all the you know the trees, the birds. He was also a plane watcher, which I didn't realize was a thing that you could be. He was just a plane watcher. It's like bird watching, but the metal birds, the metal birds in the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. I mean, he was a part of the. You know, he was a he was a World War II vet, so I think he was just interested in in aircraft and things like that. Yeah. But so as they were, you know, their honeymoon was nothing exceptional. You know, the honeymoon itself was fine. It was a good honeymoon. It was the trip back from the honeymoon back to where they lived. It always is that, yeah. It's always the trip back. That is the trip that changed everything. So it was hurricane season, right? Yes. And there was a, a Category 5 hurricane Esther uh, was headed their way. Uh-oh. Yeah. And they also left on this trip, this honeymoon, very spontaneously on like a weekend. They didn't, you know, they couldn't go to the bank to get any money. So they only had the cash they had on hand. They couldn't afford another night at a motel. And they really wanted to beat the storm home anyway. So there's lots of reasons why they were, they were, they were driving all throughout the middle of the night, right? They couldn't stay anywhere. They wanted to beat the storm. They decided to drive from Vermont to their home in New Hampshire all the way through the night, arriving sometime around 3 a.m. Oh, now I see where this is going because I believe in a previous episode, we established that um, Connecticut is the dark place of of Hades where no one dares to tread. So this probably happened in Connecticut. Probably. We'll see. But uh, so they settled on their plan and the two of them just drove in the dark. They were the only vehicle on the road, sort of as you were saying earlier, they're in a car driving in the dark no one else around any possible alibis or witnesses yeah (laughs) exactly they're the it's so late at night slash early in the morning no one else was around but they did notice something cutting through that darkness that they were driving through. So at first, they thought it was like a, a mysterious bright light. It was it was it was the, it was a mysterious bright light, but they thought it was a shooting star. But then it, it just it kept lasting for too long. So again, Barney, a World War II vet, he knew it wasn't a plane, but he figured it could maybe be some sort of satellite that got off course. But it just the light just kept getting bigger and brighter. And as we've seen a lot in these sort of ancient or not not even ancient aliens, but as we've seen a lot in like UFO stories, the light in the sky wasn't following a straight path. It was like zigzagging around really fast, going between, you know, all over the terrain, through the mountains, through the trees. It was just, it didn't seem like it was physically possible for something to to take the path that it was taking. You know, we've seen this a lot. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't, the, the couple just couldn't believe their eyes. So they pulled over their car onto the side of the road and... Barney pulled out those binoculars that he packed to try and get a How closer convenient. look. How convenient. To try and get a closer look at the at the light. Now, what he saw through the binoculars was that this light... Looking at a glowing object in the middle of the night with binoculars. Yeah, what he was very yep. able clearly to see. Mm-hmm. Probably really drowsy because <laughs> it's... Yeah. You know, yeah. So according to him, it was an object 
a circular sort of object rapidly spinning through the air. And it made no sound. So you'd think, all right, a, a rapidly spinning thing in the air sort of sounds like it could be a helicopter, maybe. Those, you know, the, the blades, the fan blades, they sort of spin around. But it didn't really make a sound. It was too quiet to be a helicopter. And the object was also just flat and round. You might describe it as a flying saucer, oh. perhaps? Like the tea things, like the tea plate. Like the tea plate. But in, but up, but up in the sky. Oh, gun filled with milk for a, the world's most large cat. Did you? I don't know if this is true. Did you hear the thing that like saucers were meant? You're supposed to pour your tea on the saucer to cool it down, and then you lap it up. I, I, I like didn't a, hear like a dog. I didn't hear it like that. I did hear that you did that, but I did not know that you were supposed to drink out of the saucer. I thought that like you kind of poured it in as a way to cool it down for some with mechanisms that I don't understand. But um, I guess because it's more surface area, right? So yeah. you pour it onto the saucer, and then it can cool down because more air is touching it. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And then you just, but then I just, I think you're supposed to drink it from the saucer. And then I just can't stop imagining like, um, like the founding fathers just drinking their tea in like important meetings, like lapping it up with their tongues, like a, like animals. Well, luckily for you, the founding fathers were most definitely not drinking tea. They were, um, they were drinking an extremely potent punch made of like whiskey and cider. That's true. They dumped all the tea somewhere else and protest. Um, <laughs> That's true. Famously. So also through these binoculars, Barney saw that there were beings inside of this aircraft. He saw a lot with these binoculars. They were good binoculars. He saw not only what it was, but he was like, he told those binoculars enhance and they zoomed in even further. They're like binoculars on Star Wars That's where they can wild. just keep going. Saw, he saw beings in them. Now we're going to get to this later, but could you, just out of curiosity, could what do you think these beings looked like? My guess is that they were slightly shorter than humans. They were spindly, like skinny with big heads, big black eyes and okay. gray skin that your typical gray, I feel like is, if this is the origin of all UFO abduction narratives, then I feel like they would go for the uh, the gray. But the gray is kind of a recent phenomenon too. So maybe it's going to be like sexy Ven Venice or sexy aliens from Venus or something. Yeah. I, we're going to get to this later, but I, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly what they saw, but I'll tell you one detail that I want you to keep in your head just because it's fun. Um, they were wearing that all of them were wearing baseball caps. All the right. Aliens? The aliens were wearing baseball caps. Interesting. They had just come from a Yankees game. Yes. <laughs> they were just partying it up. So I'll tell you more about what they looked like, but that is the funnest detail to me. So everything I'm about to describe that the aliens did, uh, just imagine they all did it in baseball caps. All right. That's important. Interrupted an alien frat party. Uh -huh. So as they were looking at all of these, they were looking at the beings, they were looking at the spacecraft. Suddenly, just moments later, the couple lost consciousness. Oh, you don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. It's never a good sign. And then when they woke up, they were 35 miles away from their parked car and two hours had passed with neither Betty nor Barney initially remembering anything that happened after they passed out. I say initially because once the two got back to their house and their lives started to go back to normal, Betty started having weird dreams and Barney started experiencing like 
cardiac severe ulcers, uh, which, and, and both of these conditions did not stop. They didn't remember anything that had passed, that had happened during their sort of absence of, of consciousness during those two hours, but they knew something happened. And so they wanted to figure out what. So they sought out the help of a psychiatrist who specialized in uh, hypnosis. Red flag. Right. Named Dr. Benjamin Simon. Mm-hmm. And it's in these hypnosis sessions that the classic elements of a UFO abduction story starts to unfold for the very first time. So there are, this is interesting, there are still recordings of some of these hypnosis sessions still available to, to listen to online. And some of them are pretty upsetting. The, the most upsetting one, I think, is with Barney on uh, February 22nd, 1964, who is uh, clearly in distress when he recounts the tale of, uh, of their encounter. Now, that date, if you paid attention, might sound a little suspicious, but we'll get there. Sorry, can you hear me again? February 22nd, 1964. I'm probably overthinking it, but interesting. Focus, focus more on the year than the actual date. Okay, okay. So it'll say, it's sad. We'll get there. We'll get there. During this specific session, details of the event sort of start to unfold from their... Because, me- again, the reason they're doing this, right, is they're trying to figure out what happened. They don't have any memories of, of what happened. So these hypnosis sessions are supposed to bring out sort of like repressed memories or something from Red flag them. right okay yep <laughs> we're we're gonna put a pin in all of this okay but yeah so the details start to sort of come out of both of Barney and Betty and it's important to note that they were interviewed they, they did these hypnosis sessions separately so neither one of them was in the room with the other one when they were happening so they both sort of told similar but different stories of the events different details stand out to, to each person so so, for example, Barney, they both sort of said that they were taken aboard the spacecraft by the alien beings. They were put on uh, tables in what appeared to be some sort of examination room. These beings with the baseball caps took samples of their hair, their nails, and their skin. And they had, like, large needles placed into each one of their limbs with, like, tubes connecting to them as if they were either... The aliens were, like, pumping them full of something or extracting something from them. I mean, basically, Barney and Betty were just science experiments to these to these aliens. Betty claims that the largest needle was inserted into her abdomen, which was the most painful Ooh, part. And yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, don't like that at all. But apparently the aliens loved it. That was like their most exciting part. When they did that, they were like really- I get so happy when I get to do the abdomen needle. That's my favorite part is the ab, is the ab needle. I love that bit. That, like that's genuinely a, a detail that she mentioned was that like it was so painful for her, but the aliens were like really enthused about it. That is wild. So like, it's really like they're painting a picture of like aliens that have favorite medical procedures they like doing and also just are dressed like frat boys. Yeah, right. Uh, Betty also claims that she talked one on one with the leader of the aliens and like I guess the alien could translate and speak English or something. Um, I think Barney had the detail that the aliens could communicate like telepathically. I don't know if Betty had said that, but like they, there was even a part where like the alien tried to tell them where they tried to tell Betty where they were from. And like Betty tried to draw it on a map, like in real life to be like, this is the star system. I don't know if that ever came to anything. I don't, I can't imagine it did, but basically 
basically it's you know that's the story they were alien experiments mm-hmm. and it, it's an experiment that lasted two hours the aliens placed them back down apparently 35 miles away from their car i don't know the aliens can the aliens can traverse throughout outer space but they like really mess it up on like the all right where did they park their car i mean uh, if you ever try to find here. a parked car it can be rough sometimes <laughs> yeah that's like it would take over a day to walk that yeah 35 miles away from their house is what they said uh or not their house their car how would they even find their car again i guess it would have to be just like one big winding road for 35 miles and they just follow that back to their car maybe 35 miles is like literally over the horizon like let me see actually how long would it take to walk 35 miles i am i did 235 miles that's not what i wanted um a calc ooh, a calculator for this okay so you can walk 35 no this isn't helping me it's tell a, me what i need it's at least like a good day here we go 35 30 to 40 miles will take you uh at a moderate pace a moderate at a pace medium will pace. take you, at a medium pace could take you anywhere between 12 or 10 to 13 hours yeah cheese that's a lot uh if they were booking it they could do it if they were booking it the whole time a brisk pace could be like seven ten hours that's like a full day's walk there yeah that's weird that that never gets mentioned that they they seem to just make their way back to their house what do you think they talk about like after you get abducted by aliens and you or in their case they have no memory so they're just walking they have no memory yeah they just we time... spend an entire day talking about when they're trying to find their car again well and they lost two hours so add two hours to how long it would take to walk back to their car then drive back it's so plus that all but, the time but, to find their car like can you to imagine find it find Finding, like, yeah. like being that far, like unless you like knew exactly where the car is, it would be. Yeah. Like I could get 35 feet, but 35 it miles says is. miles. Jeez. Yeah. That's, that is wild. I didn't think about that. They never talk about that. They, all the stories just are just sort of just like, anyway, so then they get back to their car and they drive home and it's like, no, that would be like a whole ordeal. That would be a multi-day process. Yeah, they'd have to like stop at Denny's partway through. They had no money. So anyway, all of this stuff comes out during those hypnosis sessions, which we will talk more about later. As you can see, I'm putting pins and everything. I just want to tell their story first before we we start. I don't want to necessarily pick it apart, but we're going to talk about some alternate alternative theories and speculations here. Um, but it is important to note that by most accounts, the Hills, they didn't see seem like they would be attention-seeking people like for this story um like for this story specifically right as i mentioned this happened in 1961 and they didn't see a therapist they didn't see that psychiatrist until 1964 so this was like three years later of just like living with this they didn't like immediately come out and be like look what happened to me they like sat on this for years not only that right i mean they they definitely told like close friends and family and stuff but like they, they didn't get public with it for for a while and part of the reason is as i mentioned they were an, an interracial couple during the 60s uh-huh. so it's not like they needed to go looking for attention like attention found them you know what i mean like they were it was they were a couple who you know everyone was already looking at them and are already judging them and 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 not only that um you know barney was appointed to the u.s civil rights commission his politics was like a, a huge part he wanted that uh, a really long career in in politics but 
as we'll see, like as soon as the story did break, his political career did take a hit that ne- that it could never recover from. And that all started because they did eventually make some kind of public statement at their church of all places. That was the first time they came out about it publicly. And at first, everyone, you know, was pretty supportive about it. They were just like, okay, they're supportive, they're receptive, they're just hearing them out. But as you can imagine, um, once stories get out there, once it spreads, you know, people are going to embellish stuff. People are going to start judging the circumstances. Everything just started getting worse for the Hills. And that that is when Barney's uh, political career started to go under and he never could recover it. So that's like an idea of like these people wouldn't necessarily be seeking attention because as you can see, like it very clearly made it worse for their ambitions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Newspapers started picking up the story and eventually an author named John Fuller approached them to write a book about their experience called The Interrupted Journey Hmm. uh, that was also turned into a TV movie, which was fairly popular, starred James Earl Jones of Sandlot fame, as we talked about last episode. Yep. And obviously Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Lion King. And Lion King, all of these things. And that book and movie and all of these you know, newspaper articles, things like that, that is how their specific story became the template for so many others over the next 60 years. Yeah, it's weird how every time, because this happened last week too, the second that the media makes a story popular, all of a sudden everybody else seems to have a similar story. That's the thing. It's not only, it didn't just... Because obviously a lot of fictional uh, stuff came out of this. Like, you know, there was like X-Files episodes that dealt with abduction. You know, there's a lot of like fictional stories that deal with these abduction stories. But then there's also like real life people who are claiming very similar circumstances. And again, it all comes from this template that that they sort of laid out. So I want to pick it apart a little bit, if that's cool with you. You want to pick it apart? That's what this show's all about. Let's do it. This I'm going to start with this because it do, it feels a little cruel. So I want to like I want to like cut into this by saying like I'm not going to fully discredit the idea that they weren't seeking attention because again, as we talked about, like Barney had this political career that got thrown off because people thought he was you know a UFO conspiracy person now. So it makes sense why they wouldn't want to seek attention. But they also like I don't know. It's it's hard, and maybe I can get your thoughts on this. But like, I think it was fair to say that at first, because again, they did sit on this for a couple of years. But once it did come out, you know, obviously they just, they leaned into it, right? As, as I said, they helped write a, uh, you know, co-author like a book about it. There was the movie. Barney appeared on the game show To Tell the Truth, which is that show. I think it's that show where you have like three people who are all claiming to be one person and the, the contestants have to guess who's the real one. So it's like, you know, this person... Uh, was abducted by UFOs and then you have to you know what I'm talking about you know the show I'm talking about no but I'll roll with it it's like it's basically you have a real person Stan Lee was on this show too you have a real person and then you have two people who are maybe not that episode. person maybe it was the same episode who knows so like for the Stan Lee one you had these people uh, who are like trying to figure out which one of these three people actually is Stan Lee right and this was before Stan Lee was obviously like very recognizable so they would all ask all these contestants questions questions 
and then they try to figure out who's lying and who's who's actually Stanley. It was a weird show, but I think it's been on in different iterations over the past couple decades. Anyway, mm. so, you know, went on TV, went on a game show about his abduction experience. Betty became a massive celebrity in the UFO space. Uh, yep. And it was only Betty, mostly because uh, Barney sadly died young and only 46. Uh. And But Betty went to tons of UFO conventions and really made a name for herself in that space and it's at those conventions and over time that we start to see inconsistencies with her story start to creep in there if you will yeah because originally you know th this idea came from you know it felt like the hills were just at the wrong place at the wrong time right it could have happened to anybody who was there you know it, if you and i were driving at this time and at this place it could have been us but then as she started becoming this sort of celebrity in this space the story started changing and she started talking about like oh and then I was also visited by the aliens at this other time and the aliens told me this and it, it made it seem like she was trying to be like oh it wasn't just a random occurrence actually like I'm special you know what I mean like yep. I'm the special alien I'm the special aliens like me and they keep visiting me and doing stuff with me yeah and uh, you know if you are a celebrity and a space like that you gotta keep making content people if you don't come out with something new then uh, you're just gonna get forgotten about exactly so it's like you can tell this same story over and over again but people have probably already read the book they've seen the movie you know so you have to keep being like oh and then i was also visited by aliens this other time and even to even in those spaces in those alien conventions those ufo conventions because she kept going and because she kept making it seem like she was like special people even then in those places started doubting her credibility a bit you know yeah, the the UFO people are like, I don't know. I, I find this hard to believe. <laughs> they, they drew a line some in the weirdest place possible. Yeah, that's a strange that's a strange story. Like I'm I'm very curious about the dynamics there of um especially if Barney like had these other ambitions, but then like almost got it sidetracked by telling this story. I, I'm curious and then like kind of picked up obviously as his political ambitions sort of started to peter out. I wonder what the state of his like like if he like made the real go for it and then he failed and then sort of then became public with this or became public with it as like the story started to pick up or like as he, like I mean like I don't know like I said he was appointed to the US Civil Rights Commission so like by all accounts like his career was going pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I don't know there there are accounts and I don't know how credible this is there there are people who claim that that like Barney is the reason why they kept it so close to their chest for so long but Betty on the other hand is the reason for like you know because they didn't have to make an announcement to their church they didn't have to go public with it but someone suggested that they do and there yeah there are claims that like Betty was the one who was like overly eager to tell the story and go public with it and you can th that's sort of reflected in this idea that she keep you know that she went to all these UFO conventions and like wanted to be a part of that space uh -huh. um, but I also know that a lot of media and storytelling and stuff like that can be a lot harsher on, on women. So I don't want to necessarily say that that is the case, but that is just a thought that's out there. Yeah. Also, I could I could see a interpretation of this that's not necessarily nefarious in that sense. Like I think as we learned, like when we were talking about the satanic panic several episodes ago, that a lot of this like recovered memory hypnosis stuff is it, 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 it implants false memories. And yes. there are like there are entire families 
cities that got torn apart because and like people did like actual prison time for like childhood sexual assaults and stuff like that that they didn't commit um because yeah. the people got like recovered these memories but like it didn't make the memory any less real right it, it just didn't actually happen and i could see that if they were getting involved with that and also psychology was not super well understood back then that like they got the they had these memories and like uh like corroborate like they like started believing them and then as they believe them like the more that you sort of believe that your the memories will sort of like reinforce on themselves and in further sessions of recovery you would be building up on that and eventually you have like an entire like reality that's created around yourself that you legitimately believe and it could be that Barney like legitimately believed some of these things and just yeah spoke out because he felt like it was an important thing to do despite the fact that he hit like yeah uh, even though like you know it's just the fact that like our brains are basically play-doh and um we can't really be trusted to uh remember anything and um especially in a state like hypnosis like there even though hypnosis is kind of it's got some like it's not very scientific but like sure there are ways to with like meditation and stuff like that put people in a sort of suggestible state where you can get people to recall things that never happen Absolutely. It could happen with these people. Well, you are right on top of, you are right on the money of what I was going to mention next. So this is, this is what you're talking about is exactly sort of the counterpoint that a lot of people point to. You know, and we talk about the the fallibility of, of memory a lot on this on this show. And what you'll see as, you know, Betty continued telling this this story. And again, we have recordings, so we know sort of what their initial recounting of, of these memories are. But you you know, originally these aliens wore clothes, right? Baseball Full, caps. Fully clothed. They had the baseball caps, obviously. They had hair and they very even specifically had noses. But as the story kept being told over decades and decades, all of those details started fading away and like smoothing out, both like literally and figuratively to the point where the aliens became hairless, naked, smooth grays. And that's sort of that that's part of where that idea comes from. It's like all these details of the aliens starting to disappear and they just become like gray nothings. And as you were talking about the memories and the hypnosis, the original idea behind this encounter is they had no memory, right? They just lost time and they were f- far away from their car, inexplicably far away from their car. Yeah. Um, absurdly far away. And they had no idea what happened. And it was this these hypnosis sessions that sort of brought out these memories. And when when you're trying to recover some sort of like repressed memories, there's a chance that you'll mix in. It's very likely that you're going to mix in some other experiences. Memories are going to mush together. Yeah, remember we the talked Roswell about this a episode uh, where exactly. they interviewed one of the guys who was there who basically took memories of like, you know, three or four different incidents that happened while he was working at Roswell and they sort of mashed together. Like the guy with the really big head and uh, the yeah. people who had been burned up in an accident and like all that stuff kind of got yeah. meshed into this alien autopsy narrative. Yeah. And so when you take that in, into consideration, you have to remember Barney was a World War II vet. Who, who knew of the experience and even the, the whole world knew not just Barney but Betty you know they all the whole world knew of the you know inhumane human experiments that the Nazis were doing on people and you start mushing those ideas together especially Barney we talked about in the last episode of this podcast the way that like PTSD can really it, you know it has these it, I, I talked about you know earlier the the hypnosis session with Barney is very specifically upsetting because you can tell he's extremely 
emotional and it really does feel like he's going through and like he's reliving what to him are, are very real memories and it could just be a lot of mixing up you know traumatic experiences from his time in the war with these you know th this sort of alien he like I'm sorry I'm like m I'm like not finishing sentences but like this this seems so likely to me because he very specifically even referred to one of the aliens as resembling a Nazi in his hypnosis session so like to me it, it feels very much like he is taking his like uh traumatic memories and experiences from the war and putting them into this new context of of aliens potentially yeah i can i can actually see a lot of like because we talk about like how a lot of um like a lot of our perceptions of what ufos are and what they're doing comes from like cultural anxieties and in the late 1940s i think one of the cultural anxieties was the fact that there was this this regime that did basically uh, dehumanize human beings to the point where they were just like uh, murdered in an assembly line industrial fashion and like used for like used like lab rats in like horrific medical experiments and stuff like that. And like that's like it, this is like what was the year again? 47? For the oh, no, for 64, this event? 64, right? This was the 61 is when it happened. 64 is when the so 61 hypnosis sessions. So the world is still like like if you think about like that would be like for today um it would be like if you were to compare it to our time it's like how it's like 9 11 it's I was about, gonna say it's, it's, about, it's almost the exact amount of it's almost the exact amount of time yeah and so um even a little bit uh less um but uh or a little bit more but not much uh so like 9 11 like you know there are still aspects of like us working I, my phd research was on this about how we are still working through 9 11 socially in various different small ways and so like like the, the, the cultural idea in there, like in the 1960s, psychology was obsessed with this idea of like, how do you get a society to that point? Like the famous, um, like the Stanford prison experiment and like the, um, the other experiment that was done where like they were pretending to electrocute people. Both of them actually have a lot oh, of yeah. problems with them to show that their conclusions were not nearly as found as they were because they had this whole idea that people are generally prone to authoritarianism, but it's mostly because um, in the case of the, the prison experiment, they were like kind of nudged. The prison guards were nudged right. to be more cruel. They weren't just like naturally cruel. And um, there were a lot of people who said, no, I'm not going to shock this person. They're obviously in distress. But that's that's besides the point. Um, but like that is just showing that that's an idea that is in space and in space. But it's idea that's sort of floating around at that point. And especially as somebody who is a black civil rights activist, like yeah, they, they especially in like the early sixties, because that's when like the civil rights movement is getting at like at its most violent. That's when like there's like like if you ever read like uh, Anne Moody's book, um, her experience in the civil rights movement, like showing like her having to like run out of buildings buildings in the middle of the night because they found out that like the clan was going to go and burn down the building because they were civil rights activists like that like, yeah. the 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 sort of like trying to grapple with man's inhumanity to man as like the old term would say but like the idea of dehumanizing people in such a fashion would probably be uh would be a huge deal and especially somebody who's then also carrying world war ii ptsd around with them and also would have been fighting in a segregated military like that all of those things together i could imagine if you like 
you know, associated with, you know, you yeah. put a little bit of dream logic in there and you, you know, do whatever like it is that people do with hypnosis, which, you know, I imagine can prod in some very uncomfortable places would result in no, no joke intended there, but um, like, yeah, would result in an extremely elaborate, obviously from the recordings, from the way you describe it, a traumatic episode, which can then, you know, built upon itself. And that, I mean, and that's just Barney. I mean, we're, when you're talking about the cultural context and the, and the cultural sort of anxieties of the time, we can also look at, you know, what Betty might have been experiencing and, and having conversations about, which would be, you know, reproductive rights was it was a was a big conversation there. And so we look at her experience about having this big needle stuck in her abdomen while the powerful aliens over her are like really enthusiastic about being able to, you know, do something with 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 her body in her body without her consent, without her control, without her any sort of autonomy. And you can definitely see again the the sort of anxieties there of of what she could have been, you know, projecting into this into this experience. Plus, like I imagine the ex- the experience of growing up in a sort of like white American culture, and then seeing firsthand by being married to a black man, seeing like what mm-hmm. like just how uh, distant and how like cruel people. Like, yeah, there's 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 a lot of there's there's a potential, anyways, for a lot of really hard feelings that are difficult to speak about and really like um like really work their way through, and you mix hypnosis into that where they can implant all sorts of wacky ideas and you yeah man this got real sad this is the part where scott makes me sad well here's the thing too i mean we keep talking about how they were they're a biracial couple during the civil rights movement there there's a there's a slight a slight maybe positive spin on their alien story, which is Go that, for the it, Scott. A- the, the aliens didn't seem to discriminate <laughs> between them, right? They experiment the, the a- equally. Equal opportunity experimenters. They, they experiment equally. They're all humans. So the aliens are woke is what I'm saying. Um, the aliens, woke aliens are a Mary Sue. They're a Star Wars. Yep. Um, but that's, I mean, that's sort of the, that that's the story. That's where it all comes from is, is this specific couple and their experience. And uh, I don't believe, I mean, I know Barney's not around anymore. I don't believe Betty's alive either, but she would be very, very old, very, very old. But that's sort of where this this whole idea comes from. And I think it's really interesting that we can trace it back to like a specific date and a specific uh, group of people. And Betty Hill died in 2004. There you go. So there are specific, I, you know, I think there are specific uh, alternate explanations, but I'll, I mean, I don't know. Did I convince you anything? What do you think? I'm the person who's supposed to de- maybe debunk stuff or at least explain stuff further. It's a where, big, where, what do you think? It's a, it's a big complicated thing. And also like, cause like it does seem like they very earnest believed in these things yeah and 100%. that makes things rough man ah oh, that's such the, the the story of um of barney dying in like 1969 and her dying in 2004 that's so sad wait when did he hold on did he was he alive enough to see um to see america land on the moon i don't know i'm just looking i just found their tombstone gotcha so, um but yeah like i think that like it's it's a really it's a messy combination of like they're almost like a living encapsulation of everything that represents like mid-century America, like <laughs> an interracial couple during the peak of the civil rights movement, both activists, a, a woman during like the uh, the real like beginning of the um, the women's liberation movement and the sort of, you know, just the beginnings of second wave feminism in the early 60s. Yeah. 
Furthermore, a uh, sort of alien fear that's uh, kind of at this crossroads, really, in the way that they talk about it, at this crossroads between the sort of um, shock of the Second World War and the uh, growing, you know, fear of the other that comes from the Cold War, where a lot mm-hmm. of like UFO kind of paranoia starts to develop. And yeah, like just what like a what a fascinating example of like all of the sort of the importance of context and contextual things in understanding how somebody could then come up with a story like that. And then, yeah. And then also like, as it could be that, uh, like, you know, as the story started to pick up, then, yeah, then maybe, maybe she started making up stuff for like, you know, cause you know, if you, if you dedicated your entire life and the thing that you're known for is being a UFO crank, then you know that as, as, as creators yourself, you know, like there's no step after that. Um, you no, gotta kind of keep those, adding to w- it. Once that can of worms is open, you're, you're in there for good. And again, I'm not even saying that there's nefarious, as you were saying, I don't even think there's nefarious stuff behind it. I think that's just how memories work. The more that you talk about it, the more that you relive it, the more stuff is going to change. That's just mm-hmm. sort of naturally, uh, naturally how it is. Especially if you're motivated to, like, if you were a UFO celebrity then, and you uh, found yourself, like, you know, uh, your story running out of juice, then yeah, you're like, all the motivations would be in place to remember new things, especially if you believe in something like hypnosis, being able to drum up for, uh, if you believe that you have memories that, like, the right hypnosis can unearth, you can start inserting all sorts of stuff and not even consciously. And if you have a, if you have an alien story of your own, uh, you can tell us uh, on on Twitter and Instagram at Probs Not Aliens. Ooh. Why not? Yeah. I just want to know what you all think. We have a great community online. Let me know what you think of this episode. I thought it was really, really interesting to research. I, I like being able to very occasionally get to flip the script and be the one who knows things. Yeah. But this was a lot of fun. Go follow us online. And Tristan, where can people find you online? Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Step Back. Uh, and on that channel, I uh, talk about, I'm going to use that thing from last time. It's where I use the past to talk about the present so that we can understand the future. That's, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm set on that one. Um, that's a good one. And so, yeah, that's the thing. My latest video, if you're listening to this now, it's probably early February. So I would say yeah. the video on history, uh, the long history of transgender people people it's very fun it seems to be getting a very positive reception scott yes if i needed to get a reality check about the real the the tv show known as uh you know what if i were to get if i were to need a reality check about the the state of warner brothers animation department where would i go for that sort of oh my gosh riveting scooby-doo related content and warner brothers gosh, just google it there's so much going on but if you want to hear my thoughts uh you can go to my youtube channel called NerdSync. n-e-r D-S-Y-N-C. I make a lot of videos about Scooby-Doo recently. In fact, I had an idea the other last night. It hit me that someone mentioned an amusement park around where I live called uh, King's Dominion. And they were like, oh, we should go on this. They have a great ride called Boo Blasters. And I was like, oh, yeah, they have a Boo Blasters ride at in the in the place that I grew up, uh, South Carolina, at another theme park called Carowinds. But that's that was Scooby-Doo Boo Blasters. How come the other one is not also themed as, Boo Bla- as Scooby-Doo Boo Blasters? I come to learn... Say that 10 times fast, Scooby-Doo Boo Blaster. Yeah, I come to learn that like 10... No, was it 13 years ago or something like that? They all rebranded. They took the Scooby-Doo branding away. So it's now Boo Blasters on Boo Hill or something like that. And I had no idea for... I Because I, I guess I haven't been to Carowinds in like over a decade. So... 
I am now sad and I'm planning on making a video about this terrible news that's 13 years too late. <laughs> it's not news at all, but uh, I don't know. I just like talking about Scooby-Doo stuff. So if you like that, go check it out, Nerd Sync. And thank you to everyone who writes reviews of this uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts and other places. And uh, you can, you know, just tell your friends about the show. Mm -hmm. Tell your friends. We like it uh, we do. when you do that. And the best place, the best place you can send people is probsnotaliens.com. Yep. That has, that's a website that, that we have. That's a that, website. Whether, um, that's a website, <laughs> it's a website that we have that has all of our links on it. Yep. Um, so, uh, until next time though, friends, I'm Tristan Johnson. And I'm Scott Nicewander. And the truth is out there. Probably. <laughs> There's a there's an untapped well of of you doing probably's. I know. I've got ideas. We're gonna go places probably with probably. We're gonna go places. <laughs>